All right, we want to uh, greet everyone in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we are grateful to everyone that's here today. All right, if you have your Bibles, let's go to the 24th chapter of the book of 1 Samuel. The 24th chapter of the book of uh, 1 Samuel. We thank God for you all being here today. We pray that something will be said that will be a, a blessing to you. And we're going to start reading at verse 1. Now this is, of course, this is after um, David has killed Goliath and he has um, fled from Saul because of Saul's jealousy. And so here we see David is on the run from Saul to keep from being killed by Saul. And so here we'll start reading in verse 24. It says, And it came to pass when Saul was returned from following the Philistines that it was told him, saying, Behold, David is in the wilderness of Engedi. Then Saul took 3,000 chosen men out of all Israel and went to seek David and his men upon the rocks of the wild goats. And he came to the sheep coats by the way, where was a cave, and Saul went in to cover his feet, and David and his man, men remained in the sides of the cave. And the men of David said unto him, Behold, the day of which the Lord said unto thee, Behold, I will deliver thine enemy into thine hand, that thou mayest do to him as it shall seem good unto thee, then David arose and cut off the skirt of Saul's robe privately. And it came to pass afterward that David's heart smote him because he had cut off Saul's skirt. And he said unto his men, The Lord forbid that I should do this thing unto my master, the Lord's anointing, anointed to stretch forth my hand against him, seeing he is the anointed of the Lord. Everybody see that? So you see what happened there. David cut off a part of his, <laughs> off of his robe, a uh, skirt of his robe, uh, privately, and and it says that afterwards his heart smote him. In other words, he felt condemned by that. You know, it was told to King David by God. I'm going to give him into your hand, and you can do whatever you feel like doing to him. Now, oftentimes, you know, we'll get that from the Lord. He'll place things in our hands, and his mindset is, you use your judgment. What do you deem the right thing to do? And, and then we can get into it, and we can have this thought. Yeah, you know what? God have done this. God have moved me into this. But then what happens is we begin to, he begin to jog our memory about his word. And what his word says about things. And then we're supposed to take it from there. In other words, sometimes God will put things in our hand just to see what we're going to do with it or just to see how we're going to treat it. Now, David could have killed Saul and God might not have ever been angry about it. Because it was, <laughs> it, it was, uh, 
David's rightful place to be king over Israel. Does anybody understand that? But I, I tell you this, when we take God's permission with the right attitude, it elevates us to a higher level in God. Does everybody understand that now? When we take God's green light with the right attitude and still with a heart to serve the Lord, then we won't have to worry about going to the left or the right. Because see, here's the thing. Even when God's word says something, we still are led beyond that by the spirit of God. Does everybody see now? Yeah, we, we're still led beyond, not, not outside of his word, but beyond his word by the spirit of God. Does everybody see now? And so that's what, that's, see God's word to him was, I'm giving your enemy into your hand. You can do whatever you feel like doing to him. But then the spirit of God led him not to kill him. Because you know David was a warrior and he didn't mind giving it to anybody. Whoever wanted it, they could have it. Does everybody understand that? And it's, it's funny to read these, these stories where God gives Saul into his hand. And then right around those stories, you see him killing everything that's coming across his path. Or having a mind to. Does everybody see now? So let's go ahead and keep reading. He said, verse 7 says, So David stayed his servants with these words and suffered them not to rise against Saul. But Saul rose up out of the cave and went on his way. David also arose afterward and went out of the cave and cried after Saul, saying, My Lord, the king. And when Saul looked behind him, David stooped with his face to the earth and bowed himself. Isn't that something now? David understood that Saul was backslidden. He also understood that, that, that Saul had an evil spirit because he was the one having to play the instrument to get the evil spirit to leave Saul. He understood that Saul wanted to kill him. But you see how David addressed him? Look at what he says there. My Lord, the king. Everybody see that? And when Saul looked behind him, what did he see? David stooped with his face to the earth and bowed himself. Everybody see that now? Verse 9, And David said to Saul, Wherefore hearest thou men's words? saying, Behold, David seeketh thy hurt. In other words, he's saying, Why are you hearing these liars telling you that I want to kill you? Behold, this day thine eyes have seen how that the Lord had delivered thee to the, today into mine hand in the cave, and some bade me kill thee. But mine eyes spared thee, and I said, I will not put forth my hand against my Lord, for he is the Lord's anointed. Moreover, my father, see, yeah, see the skirt of thy robe in my hand? For in that I cut off the skirt of thy robe, and kill thee not. Know thou, and see that there is neither evil nor transgression in my hand, and I have not sinned against thee. Yet thou huntest my soul to take it. The Lord judge between me and thee, and the Lord avenge me of thee. But mine hand shall not be upon thee, as said the proverb of the ancients. Wickedness proceedeth from the wicked, but mine hand shall not be upon thee. After whom is the king of Israel come out, after whom thou dost pursue, after a dog, dead dog, after a flea? The Lord therefore be judged. Everybody see what he's saying there? You keep in mind, that's what he's telling us. So let's read that again. After whom is the king of Israel come out? After whom dost thou pursue? After a dead dog, after a flea? So everybody understand what David is saying there? 
He's saying, you need to think about who I am, Saul. I'm not just somebody off the block. I, I got a stern reputation for being a warrior. So I, I, didn't, I didn't miss your heart and, and, and accidentally cut off a piece of your robe. I, I know how to kill people. <laughs> Does everybody understand that? Yeah, I, I know how to kill Saul. <laughs> so he, he's trying to make that, but look at what he says there. Verse 15, the Lord therefore be judge and judge between me and thee and see and plead my cause and deliver me out of thine hand. And, if, and it came to pass when David had made an end of speaking these words unto Saul, that Saul said, is this thy voice, my son, David? And Saul lifted up his voice and wept. And he said to David, thou art more righteous than I, for thou hast rewarded me good, whereas I have rewarded thee evil. And thou hast showed this day how that thou hast dealt well with me, for as much as when the Lord hath delivered me into thine hand, thou killest me not. For if a man find his enemy, will he let him go well away? Wherefore the Lord reward thee good for that thou hast done unto me this day. Everybody see that? I tell you, God pays attention to how we treat people that mistreat us. We don't have a license to mistreat people just because they're acting ugly towards us. Everybody see that now? Go and keep reading. And now behold, I know well that thou shalt surely be king, and that the kingdom of Israel shall be established in thine hand. Swear now therefore unto me by the Lord that thou wilt not cut off my seed after me, and that thou wilt not destroy my name out of my father's house. And David swore unto Saul, and Saul went home. But David and his men get them up unto the hold. Everybody see now, in the next chapter, in chapter 25, we read about Samuel dying. And we're not going to get into that. But, you know, here's what I think about that. To me, that's a sad situation for the ministry of Samuel. Sometimes Samuel get left all out of this particular story. But I want you to think about it. It was him that had ordained Saul. And then he wept for Saul after God rejected him. And then it was the same Samuel that had ordained David. He loved both of those men, and it broke his heart to have to see them fight one another. And to die with this going on, and with the kingdom of God, with Israel not being established, because one king is out on his way out, and another king haven't entered in yet. You know, I, I say this. Samuel was an elder to both of them. And, you know, when we live in our life, we ought to think about how are my actions affecting those who came before me and mentored me? We ought to think about that. Samuel, no doubt, died a grievous, a grieved man. Because first of all, he didn't want Israel to have a king. <laughs> and, and, and then when he whined about it to God, God told him, quit your whining. They really against me. It's really me that they rejected. So then he, he went along with what God said to do. But then to see it all just play out like this. He would have been a happy man if Saul had just stayed the course. Because at least he would have thought, well, you know, I guess something good come out of this. 
men living their lives, not taking into account of what the forefathers have laid out, what the elders have laid out. Does everybody understand now? All right, so now let's go to chapter 26. I, I want to ask you all by show of hands, how many of you have ever had somebody that was proud of you? How many of you ever had somebody tell you that they were proud of you? And somebody that you looked up to, you know, uh, in that manner? You know, um, in July, it will be 41 years since my daddy passed away. And it, had, it hadn't hardly been a major decision that I've made why I hadn't thought about what he would do. All of my failures that I've experienced in life, I've wondered what would he think if he was alive to see this. I, I sure hope, you know, the Bible talks about in the book of Hebrews having a great cloud of witnesses. It's talking about those people that have gone on before us. The Bible calls them clouds of witnesses. That means that they are not ignorant of what's going on on this side. They're not ignorant. They're watching us like a movie to see how it's all going to play out. And God in his grace and mercy, that grandma, that, that grandpa, our great-grandparents that have prayed for the salvation of their offspring, they're watching it to see if it's going to play out the way they prayed. And you have to ask yourself, are you disappointing those people? We have to live our life like there's a cloud of witnesses watching, because they are. Does everybody understand that now? Even our loved ones that didn't make it to heaven, you, you know what they're screaming out in hell? Don't come to this place. Does everybody see now? It's still a prayer. <laughs> Don't come to this place. It's real. And I'm telling you, we have to learn to live <laughs> like we're living for somebody else. And they, I don't think people have to be in our lives every day for us to have a mindset of not wanting to disappoint people. You know, he, he, when I was growing up, there was this saying, you know, uh, people used to ask, did your mama raise you that way? Or your, your parents didn't raise you to be that way. So, uh, you know, at least it was a good thing that some people understood y your parents' level of commitment and integrity. Your grandparents' level of commitment and integrity versus the junk that we got going on today. And after generation after generation, it seems like those levels just go down and down and down and down and, and more disrespectful. I'm not thinking about what my grandma taught me at all. Does everybody understand that? And so <laughs> something on the inside of us have to compel us to hold up a standard. Does everybody understand? You know, my, my daddy there, he's, he's buried in, in Picayune, Mississippi with his other four siblings and his parents. And... Uh, yeah, I, I, my, he does not have a headstone just yet. We're working on getting that. 
But you know who's been his headstone? Me. <laughs> I'm a walking headstone. Every time anybody say my name, they saying his name. And so I, in my heart, in my mind, I have to represent him to the fullest. Does everybody understand now? You know, when I, when I went into full-time ministry, <laughs> you know, people were constantly throwing in my face, your daddy was a hard worker. He lost his legs, and he, when he, even when he lost his legs, he still worked. That's the only thing they could say about my daddy. You know what I see? If the Lord had told Big Hawk to go into full-time ministry, he wouldn't have cared what anybody had to say about it either. He didn't have my calling. Does everybody understand that now? And he would have been disappointed if I had been a coward and backed down under the pressure of unbelievers. <laughs> Does everybody understand? And so what we see in this Bible is legacies being passed on. You ever notice how somebody can start a business and they can work hard and work hard and work hard and build that business up? And then they make the mistake of passing it on to some little ungrateful brat with their, own, with their last name. And where does the business go from there? Down. You know why? Because it was not their vision. It's like people do not have this sense of legacy anymore. I'm going to do my own thing. And we lose that when we lose honor for our parents, for those that came before us. Does everybody understand now? And, and that's not God's will. And so here we, what we see is David understood, Saul is my, <laughs> he's my elder. And I'm going to honor him. Uh, do, do you know uh, that's something that God looks, looks with high esteem upon? Honoring the elders. Does everybody understand now? So is everybody there? The 26th chapter of the book of 1 Samuel. We'll start reading now. Verse 1, it says, And the Ziphites came unto Saul to Gibeah, saying, Does not David hide himself in the hill of Hilkalah? which is before Jeshimon. Then Saul arose and went down to the wilderness of Ziph, having 3,000 men, 3,000 chosen men of Israel with him to seek David in the wilderness of Ziph. Wait a minute. I thought this was squashed. I thought Saul told David, you better than me. I, I know you're going to be king after me and just make me this promise. You won't. You won't splatter my name all over the place. You, you know, you won't wipe out my name and that you won't kill all my offspring. Isn't that what was said? So now why is Saul <laughs> going back after David? I'll tell you why. Because the spirit of offense is never satisfied either. Offense it ain't happy until somebody's dead. Me or you. But both of us can't be on this earth at the same time. Here was the problem. 
Saul never sat down and told David. It really hurt my feelings when those women were singing, Saul have killed his thousands and David his ten thousands. Why? Because he was too much of a man for that. And because he was too much of a man for that, that often stayed with him. Here's the, here's the, <laughs> the <laughs> we're not even talking about offense today, but here's the deception about offense. It goes up and down, up and down, up and down. Okay, David, you, you right, you could have killed me. I'm going to go home, you go home. I, I, look, it's over, brother. I, I'm sorry. You better than me. But you know what offense does? It goes home and it gets to thinking. Man, that he was stooped down in front of me. I could have killed him then. <laughs> what was I thinking? <laughs> does everybody understand that? Listen, offense only goes away when issues have been talked out and settled and people start admitting some ugly truths about themselves. It was going to take some ugly truth being revealed. Does everybody understand now? And that's some stuff that people don't really, really want to get into. It's hard for people to say, I'm jealous of you. It's hard for people to say, I can't stand you. You know why? Because then they'd have to admit it's something ugly on the inside of me. Why? Because me not being able to stand you has nothing to do with anything you've done against me. It's really me. Does everybody see that? And then when they admit that, you know what else they'd have to admit? They'd have to look back on all the other past relationships and admit, you know what? I was the cause of that, too. It wasn't everybody else. It was me. But see, instead of people just coming to grips and admitting the ugly truth, they'd rather keep living a lie and hoping not to just walk in offense towards people, uh, hoping to hide it. Does everybody understand now? You know, I, I was around a man that I, I'm not going to say his name, but I was around a man that I admired very, very greatly. And I believe you all know who I'm talking about. I admired him very greatly. But this, this very thing that we're reading about, that's what took place between he and I. This very thing. And I could not for the life of me understand why. And I would pray to the Lord, why is this man so dead set against me and all I'm trying to do is love him? I'm preaching the same gospel that he preached. <clears throat> and then the Lord showed me a vision. Really, uh, two or three of them. And they all equal one word, jealousy. And I knew that was a conversation he and I would never have. But what it was, the Lord was just warning me. That's the spirit behind you being the target. Jealousy. And I didn't, you know, it was hard for me to accept that. That's the reason why the Lord had to show me that more than once. It was hard because I could not understand how can a man who I admire be jealous of me? 
when I think that he's greater, how can that be? <laughs> but you know, your reasoning and wh what you think has nothing to do with what the other person is dealing with. Has nothing to do with what the other person is dealing with. And you know, I, and I sincerely believe we need to know people that we're dealing with so we don't get caught off guard with the stuff we can't see. When the Lord spoke that to me, it made me love him on a whole nother level. It made me not want to quit loving him. Does everybody understand now? Because now I understood this ain't about me. Anybody could have come along and gotten closer to him, and, and they'd experienced the same thing. See. I tell you, it's very important, brothers and sisters, kind of like what we were talking about yesterday, that we be spiritually minded. Spiritually minded people, it, it, you know, if you're spiritually minded, it keeps you from reacting naturally to things that's going on spiritually. You ain't gonna whoop the devil with your, with your carnal natural reactions. This is a spiritual war. Everybody understand now? All right, so let's read, let's read now. Verse three, it says, and Saul pitched in the hill of Hilkalah, which is before Jeshimon, by the way, but David abode in the wilderness, and he saw that Saul came after him into the wilderness. David therefore sent out spies and understood that Saul was coming very deep. Everybody see that? You see what that says there? But David abode in the wilderness, and he saw that Saul came after him. Everybody see? One of these men was being spiritual-minded. The other one was being carnal. The spiritual-minded people always see the enemy afar off. And you're able to, to understand, okay, so this is what I need to do. Everybody understand that now. Verse 5, And David arose and came to the place where Saul had pitched, and David beheld the place where Saul lay, and Abner, the son of Ner, the captain of his host, and Saul lay in the trench, and the people pitched around about him. Then answered David and said to Ahimelech, the Hittite, and to Abishai, the son of Zariah, a brother to Joab, saying, who will, go up, who will go down with me to Saul to the camp? And Abishai said, I will go down with thee. So David and Abishai came to the people by night, and behold, Saul lay sleeping within the trench, and his spear stuck in the ground at his bolster. But Abner and the people lay around, lay round about him. Then said Abishai to David, God hath delivered thine enemy into thine hand this day. Now therefore let me smite him, I pray thee, with the spear, even to the earth at once, and I will not smite him the second time. And David said to Abishai, Destroy him not. For who can stretch forth his hand against the Lord's anointed and be guiltless? David said, furthermore, as the Lord liveth, the Lord shall smite him, or his day shall come to die, or he shall descend into battle and perish. The Lord forbid that I should stretch forth my hand against the, the Lord's anointed. But I pray thee, take thou now the spear that is at his bolster and cruse of water and let us go. So David took the spear and the cruse of water from Saul's bolster, and they got him, got them away, and no man saw it, nor knew it, neither awaked, for they were all asleep, because a deep sleep from the Lord was fallen 
upon them. Everybody see that now? Then David went over to the other side and stood on the top of the hill afar off, a great space between them, being, bet uh, be being between them. And David cried to the people and to Abner, the son of Ner, saying, Answerest thou not Abner? Then Abner answered and said, Who art thou that cries to the king? And David said unto Abner, Art, thou, art not thou a valiant man? And who is like thee to thee in Israel? Wherefore then hast thou not kept thy lord the king? For there came one of the people to end to destroy the king, thy lord. This thing is not good that thou hast done. As the Lord liveth, ye are worthy to die, because ye have not kept your master, the Lord's anointed. And now see where the king's spear is, and the cruise of water that was at his bolster. And Saul knew David's voice and said, Is this thy voice, my son David? And David said, It is my voice, my lord, O king. And he said, Wherefore doth my lord thus pursue after his servant? For what have I done? Or what evil is in mine hand? Now therefore I pray thee, let my lord the king hear the words of the, his servant. If the lord have stirred thee up against me, let him accept an offering. But if they be the children of men, cursed be they before the lord. For they have driven me out this day from abiding in the inheritance of the lord, saying, Go serve other gods. Now therefore let not my blood fall to the earth before the face of the lord, for the king of Israel is come out to seek a flea, as when one doth hunt a partridge in the mountains. Then said Saul, I have sinned. Return, my son David, for I will no more do thee harm, because my soul was precious in thine eyes this day. Everybody see that? That's how we fight our enemies. We do good to them. Everybody see that now? That's how we fight them, brothers and sisters. Look at what it says. Because my soul was precious in thine eyes, this day, behold, I have played the fool and have erred exceedingly. Everybody see? So you understand what was, what was going on? He'd go home. He'd conjure up all this stuff. He's got people in his ear telling him, you know, David's this, David's that, David's this, David's that. And, and so he'd forget his treaty with David, and then he'd go right back out looking for him to kill him. <laughs> Verse 22, And David answered and said, Behold the king's spear, and let one of the young men come over and fetch it. And the Lord render to every man his righteousness, and his faithfulness, for the Lord hath de delivered thee into mine hand today, but I would not stretch forth my hand against the Lord's anointing. And behold, y'all pay attention, as thy life was much set, in other words, esteemed by this day in mine eyes, so let my life be much set, in other words, esteemed in the eyes of the Lord, and let him deliver me out of all tribulation. Then Saul said to David, Blessed be thou, my son David. Thou shalt both do great things, and also shall still prevail. So David went on his way, and Saul returned to his place. Everybody see now. What was it that constrained David from killing Saul all of the times? Now, these aren't the only two times. These aren't the only times. What was it that constrained Saul 
from killing, that constrained David from killing Saul. His love for him. David loved Saul. And because he loved him, he didn't want to kill him. Now, I'm telling you, as sure as I'm standing here, love has a power. Do they understand now? There is power behind love, and I'm talking about godly love. You know, Jesus Christ said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Love, when, when love is in a situation, it'll deal with anything the right way. Love took a killer and kept him from killing. David was a killer. He was a warrior. You read his story, he didn't mind killing. Was going to kill a man because he hurt his feelings because you didn't do for me what I did for you. <laughs> That's what it boiled down to. Does everybody understand? Not just kill that man, I'm going to kill every man that, everybody that pisses against the wall. In other words, all of your men, children. I'm a, it ain't just you, fella. I'm going to get all of yous. <laughs> Everybody see that? So if you understand the nature of David, that he was a warrior to begin with as a child, think about it, killing lions. And I am not talking about a far off either. He wasn't throwing, just rattling back and throwing his spear and hoping that it would land. You know what David said? I took that lion by his beard and I wrapped it around my arm and smote him. <laughs> He's an up close and personal <laughs> killer. Does everybody understand that? Now if it had been me, <laughs> I'd have been way over across the street somewhere running and throwing rocks behind me. <laughs> Lord, let, let it hit, Lord. Hit it, target. <laughs> Not David. Yo, yo, you taking one of my sheep? <laughs> Does everybody understand that? You know, that's crazy when you think about it. <laughs> He's putting himself in a battle. He don't want to get untangled from it. In his mind, for him to take the lion's beard and wrap, his, wrap it around his arm like that. He has to be thinking, you're going to try to run when you see how mighty I am. Uh, you are you, you somebody. If you're a child doing that. So we're trying to paint this picture of how big and bad David was. So that you'll understand the power of love that he had for Saul. Does everyone understand that? And on top of that, listen, he didn't, David didn't have God's permission to fight Goliath. But he had his permission to kill Saul and didn't do it. Love constrained him. Love, con I tell you, uh, sisters, I don't care how big your mouth is. You love your husband, it'll constrain that mouth. 
it'll constrain it. Does everybody understand that? Same thing for us husbands. If you love your, your wife, love will constrain you from being bitter. Love will do it. Now, in closing, I want to share this story with you all. I, think it's, I don't think I've ever shared this story before. And, uh, you know, it's a really, I, you know, I, sometimes I've thought about it over the years. And, you know, it, it's really uh, something to me. Um, years ago, when I was in the Navy and I was AWOL, I was living with my grandmother. And... Uh, You know, and I pray now, y'all gonna still love me after I tell y'all this story. Now, if you can't, if you don't think you're gonna love me, this is your time to walk out, and you know, you can, we'll send somebody out to get you when, when the story's over. <laughs> but this is an, is an, is an uh, embarrassment to me, you know, as far as uh, the way things went. But that's the way it is when you're in the world. It's, it's all shameful, I imagine. And so, um, so I, I was living with my grandmother and when I was AWOL, and uh, living next door to her was a, a young lady. And uh, I had um, met this young lady one day, and we started uh, messing around. And uh, she had an uh, ex-boyfriend who would still come around at times, and she would tell me that, you know, how violent he was and things. and how jealous he was, and so, of course, you know, me being young and silly, it, it didn't stop me from messing with her. And so one night we had uh, messed around, and uh, I had left a, uh, I guess I left something of mine there in her house, and I just went on back to my grandmother's house. And so uh, the next morning, uh, I hear this loud banging at the door, and, um, I get up and it was my aunt. She was knocking on my room door. And she called the girl by name and she, she called the ex-boyfriend by name and she said, he's over there killing that girl. Now this was a night after I had messed with her. And I, I knew, so I knew I was, I knew I was behind it. And so I got up, put on my clothes, put on my fighting shoes and my fighting spirit And when I went to walk out the door in the living room, I heard a noise. It was my grandmother sitting at the, sitting in her chair. She said, John Bolton, you sit down. So I went and sat down from the, we, we, uh, uh, from the chair across from her. And this whole time, all I, I'm hearing is just, I know he's over there beating her and she's screaming for help it took everything in me to not get up from there and go over there but you know what I did and I, I, I think it was the Lord that let me do it to do that I looked at my grandmother, because I didn't want to look in her face because I was ashamed because she knew what was going on and I was the cause of it. And I knew that she knew. So I didn't want to look at her face. 
And so at some point, I, I made the mistake of looking up and looking at her, and she was looking dead at me. And from that point on, I, we just, our eyes locked, and it stayed that way. And I could, it was a funny thing. I could read in her eyes what she was thinking. Don't go over there. If you go over there, he's going to kill you or you're going to kill him. And that's going to break my heart. Everybody see now. And so in my mind, I'm thinking, Grandma, how can, you know. But you know, ultimately what made me not go over there? Her love for me and my love for her. So that had to override the warrior in me, the pride in me, knowing I'm the reason this girl is over there getting beat up. My love for her and her love for me. Because I could picture in my mind me getting killed. I, I, I can guarantee you something bad with that. Somebody was going to die that day. I'd already determined that in my mind. Somebody ain't going to make it. Because, see, it had already been some back and forth stuff. The, the, girl, the girl I was messing with, she had a daughter. And the daughter would always tell me, hey, this fella, he said this about you. If he ever see you, I said, okay, well, next time he come over, you tell him this. He know why I'm right next door. <laughs> I I'm not moving. I'm right here. And, it, you know, and it wasn't long after that, uh, after the, the little girl, you know, she kept passing messages between us. And one day my brother and I, who y'all know is Pastor Jerome, we were sitting on the porch. He was friends with this fella. We were sitting on my grandmother's porch, and the fella pulled up to talk to my brother. Guess what I did? Walked right up to his truck with my brother and looked him dead in his eye. <laughs> Does everybody understand? Uh, my thing was, let's see what you got. You, you know who I am. I'm at your truck. <laughs> so I, I'm sharing all this to show you that this stuff had been building up. And that I had to be constrained by love. I could picture my death. I could, which in my mind, listen, it's one thing, brothers and sisters, when you don't mind dying. It's another thing when you're thinking about the loved ones who are staring down at your face in the coffin. So love, God used love in that instant to constrain me. Something, I was untamable until love, I saw that love in my grandmother's eyes. Knowing it, it would really break her heart to know I got killed living with her. <laughs> Does everybody understand that now? I didn't want to put her through that. And so my love for her overrode, listen, my pride <laughs> in trying to prove who was the better man. I'm not even with this girl. We're not even boyfriend and girlfriend, but I'm not going to let you beat on her. So I had all of these emotions going on, but listen, you know what? Love tamed it. And constrained love is what saved my life that day, or saved his, really both of ours. 
Does everybody understand now? And I'm telling you, I'm trying to show you, and that's the name of this message, what love constrains. It will constrain you. I don't care how big, I don't care how bad you are, if you got the love of God on the inside of you, it will compel you to act right. I wasn't thinking about living for God at that time, but that day I was saved. That day, does everybody understand that? That day, love overrode the sinner and what his first choice was. Does everybody understand now? And my prayer is that we'll take these things to heart, you see. That we will allow the love of God to constrain us and tame us. Everybody understand? All right, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the word that you've spoken to us today. God, we ask that you will help us to see the things that we're supposed to see, Lord. Forgive us for the times, Lord, that we got ahead of you, that we didn't allow your love to constrain us and the love that we have for you, Lord. So, Lord, right now we ask that you will increase our love for you. Help us, Lord, to love you with our whole heart so that we'll be compelled to do the right thing, even when we think we have a license to do the wrong thing. Lord, we pray over every individual in here today. We ask that you will touch their hearts, that you will bless their minds, O oh God. Help them to receive your word, Lord. Help us all to think spiritually minded, O oh God. Lord, we pray for everyone that's listening to this message that was about to make a wrong decision. Lord, we pray that your love will constrain them. Help us all to know, Lord, the power of your love and increase it in our lives. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. All right, brothers and sisters. My prayer is that we've heard something that have blessed us today and that we will continue to grow in the things of God. All right, now, that's all. We'll go ahead and be dismissed in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ.